Happy Easter, family. You know, let's uh, begin with our uh, traditional Easter greeting. I'm going to say the Lord is risen, and you're going to say the Lord is risen indeed. Here we go. The Lord is risen. Yes, he is. He is an absolutely risen indeed. You know, have you? would you have ever believed that just, oh, 30 days ago that that you and I would not be in the same room on Easter? I mean, how incredible is that? I mean, I would have never believed 30 days ago that, uh, that I would be preaching right now to empty chairs. And uh, in this room, that is empty chairs. Of course, your chairs are full wherever you are. But, you know, it's just strange and unusual time, isn't it? It's a strange and unusual time. You know, over the past few weeks, I've had uh, lots of conversations with lots of people. And there are three themes that seem to come up in those conversations with regularity. One is fear. One is isolation. And uh, the other is loneliness. Fear, isolation, and loneliness are the themes of the conversations that I've had over the last three weeks. You know, as uh, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, the very first Easter uh, didn't take place in a crowded worship center, did it? Now, it wasn't in a crowded worship center. It wasn't with uh, throngs of people singing and praising. In fact, on the very first Easter, you know where the disciples were? They were locked into their house. That's right. It was too dangerous to go outside, and uh, they were afraid. So they were locked in their house. It was dangerous outside, and they were afraid. You know, they wanted to believe the good news that the women had shared with them, that that uh, the Lord had risen, that Jesus had risen. But, you know, that news just seemed too good to be true. They were living in such fear. They were living in incredible despair. In fact, when they left their homes, or if they left their homes, their lives and the lives of their loved ones might be at risk. I mean, could a miracle really had happened? Could life really win out over death? Could this time of fear and anxiety actually come to an end? Well, alone in their home, listen to this, alone in their home, they dared to believe that hope was possible. Yeah. In their own home, hidden away, locked in, stay-at-home order given, they dared to believe that hope was possible. They dared to believe that the long night was over and morning had broken. They dared to believe that love was the most powerful force of all, even though it didn't quite seem real yet. And you know what happened, right? Eventually, they were able to leave their houses when the fear and danger subsided. They went around spreading the good news that Jesus had risen and that love was the most powerful force on earth. And finally, family, this year, you know what we get to do? Kind of in a, in a real sense, we get to 
we get to have a taste of what that first Easter was really like. Still in our homes, daring to believe that hope is on the horizon. You know, and after a while, here's what's going to happen. When it's safe for all people, when, when, it's, the, when it's the most loving choice, we're going to come out of our houses We're going to gather together again. We're going to sing and we're going to shout the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is risen from the grave, that he is risen indeed, that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the great I am. And we're going to celebrate that God has brought life out of darkness. He has brought life out of death and that love will always have the final say. That's what we're about. That's Easter hope, and that's what we're doing today. So here we are, family. We are here on Easter Sunday, and so I'm going to ask you this question. What, is the, what do you think is the single, the single uh, greatest thing that God wants to develop in us in order for you and me to be able to face fear, to face isolation, to face tragedy, to face loneliness, and even to face the uncertainty of the future. What do you think that God wants to develop in us? Let me give you a hint. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. And it ha- it's an attitude that has the possibility of helping to change the way you understand, the way you see your circumstances. It is an attitude. What do you think that attitude is? Here it is. Ready? It is hope. It is hope. Hope is the attitude because that's what Easter is all about. Easter is all about hope. It's all about hope. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures of all time, you know this if you know me well, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you, let's say it together, ready? Hope and a future. That's right. Plans to give us hope in a future. I love that. I love that promise. Why? Because it's a promise that God is going to give us hope, God's hope, not some worldly hope, not some faulting, failing hope, not some I wish kind of hope, but a real hope, a godly hope. And not only is he going to give us hope, but he gives us his future. He gives us God's future, hope in a future, hope in a future, hope in a future. And let me tell you, folks, for us Christians, hope and uh, future always go together. They always go together for us Christians. Now, I got to tell you, I am, in fact, a little bit disappointed in the word hope. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not disappointed in hope itself. You know what I'm disappointed in? I'm disappointed in the word hope. And you know why that is? Because, well, okay, this is a John Spate thing, I guess. But I think the word hope is wimpy. Yeah, it's a wimpy word. It's a wimpy word. Hope is a wimpy word. And I'll tell you why. It's because of the way you and I use the word today. You know the way we use it. We use I hope as I wish. I wish. 
I wish this, I wish that, I wish the other thing. You know, what do I wish? You know, I, I, I hope that it's not going to rain today. What do I mean? I just wish it's not going to rain today. You know, I, uh, I, if you're binge-watching Netflix today, you may say, well, I hope it's going to be a good movie. You know, I wish it's going to be a good movie. If you, if you get some carry-out or some curb service today, you know, you may say, well, I, I hope that they get my order right this time. I hope they get my order right this time. I wish, I hope. But let me tell you, that's not how the Bible uses the word hope. Listen to me. It's not the way the Bible uses the word hope today. In fact, whenever the Bible uses the word hope, you know how we, the Bible uses it? The Bible uses it with this, this definition of fact, of fact, or of confidence. When, when the Bible says, I hope, this is what the Bible says. I have, I believe this is a fact. I hope, I believe this is going to take place. Or I have the confidence that this is going to happen, that this is going to take place. So I have confidence that I, I hope, therefore I have confidence. I hope, therefore, I will not be afraid. Why? Because I believe. Because I believe. In fact, Someone has said, I don't know who it was, I couldn't find the author, but I'm going to do this guy's quote anyway, and that is, real hope is like oxygen to the lungs. You can't live without it. Real hope is like oxygen to the lungs. You can't live without it. So let me tell you something. Breathe, people. Just breathe that hope in right now. It's the Easter hope. It's the resurrection hope. It is the life after death hope. In fact, it's the life after this pandemic hope. That's the kind of hope that we talk about on Easter. And now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about just simply being an optimist. I, hope is not the realm of, of, uh, uh, of positive thinking theology. That's not what I'm talking about. Folks, you know, an optimist sees a glass half full. A pessimist sees the glass, what, half empty, right? And a person of hope, real hope, godly hope, Easter hope, sees the glass firmly held in the hands of God. Yeah, that's right. The optimist sees the glass half full, pessimist half empty. The person of hope sees the glass held firmly in the hands of God. That's the kind of Easter hope I'm talking about. In fact, I'm going to give you a four-word definition of hope. Are you ready? Here it comes. Four-word definition of hope. Here it is. God is in, say it, control. That's right. Let's do it again. We're going to say it out loud from all over the world right now. Ready, set, go. God is in control. One more time, people. God is in control. There it is. That is Easter hope. That is why we celebrate, because God is in control. So much control that right out of death came what? Resurrection. Right out of darkness came new life. It is Easter hope we're talking about right now. You know, now, hope does not belittle the seriousness of the crisis. Make sure you get that. 
I'm not saying that hope belittles the seriousness of the crisis. I'm simply talking about a hope that helps you to understand, that makes you have a conviction that you know that you know that you know that God holds the whole world in the palm of his hands, including you. He holds your life in the palm of his hands. And what better place for our life to be When you have Easter hope, you realize God has got you in the palm of his hands. And, you know, hope doesn't mean that you ignore the the sting or the pain of death. No, it just means that you see death in the light of resurrection. You see how hope changes the way you understand your circumstances? Do you see the way it just kind of turns everything on its head? You see, you see death now in the light of resurrection, in the light of Easter hope, in the light of Easter hope. You know, in recent days, as I've uh, been watching the news, been uh, following the the uh, people of Italy as they have been out on their balconies singing songs of hope uh, to one another from their balconies. They've been hanging banners over the railings of their balcony that say, uh, translated into English, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, the people of Italy, just like everywhere else, we stand in need of hope. We always do. We're the people of God, and we stand in the need of hope. Easter hope is what we need. Ten years ago, the uh, most popular movie ten years ago was about a ship. And guess what? That ship sank. And here's the clincher, folks. We knew it was going to sink, and we went to see the movie anyway. I mean, don't tell me we don't need hope. We need hope. We absolutely do. You know, I was having my quiet time with the Lord this week, and uh, I was I was praying, you know, for for the folks who've, lost loved ones and those who have lost their jobs are small businesses that have been shuttered and wonder if they're ever going to be able to recover and reopen. And, and I was praying for people without food or clothing or shelter during this, uh, uh, these unprecedented times. And, you know, I, I have to admit, please forgive me, but I have to admit that I was thinking, you know, God, if I were you, now, let me stop right there and say, you know, nothing ever come, nothing good ever comes after you say that. You know, you, it just doesn't work out. Nothing good comes after if, when you say, God, if I were you. But I did. And I said, God, you know, if I were you, you know, I, I, I would really rethink this thing and get this pandemic shut down quickly. You know, uh, God, if I were you, I know that you can, you can uh, just uh, snap your fingers and, and all of this virus will go away. You know, but after my prayer, I was uh, reading the scripture. The, the scripture that went along with my devotion was uh, out of the book of Job. But that's what I noticed. And, and once again, forgive me, but I was thinking, oh, you know, good grief. 
the last thing I need is to read something depressing from Job. I don't need Job now to be depressed. But it was chapter 38 of the book of Job, and I started reading, and I read the first few verses, and I just couldn't concentrate on it. I, I don't know what was going on, but I just could not wrap my mind around it. So I thought, you know, I need to refamiliarize myself with the, with the context. So I turned back a couple of chapters and discovered the context. You see, Job was ranting and raving uh, to God about his circumstances. You know, he had lost his livelihood. His wife and his children were sick and dying. Uh, he was sick, and uh, he was he was feeling that this was all unfair. You know, he was saying, you know, God, you know, this is unfair. You know, why me? I mean, after all, God, I've been your follower for years, you know, and, and look what's happening to me. Look what's happening to me. My wife is sick and dying. My kids are sick and dying. I'm losing all of my livelihood because my animals aren't even dying. You know, and the reality is, this just isn't fair. Where is the justice in this? I have been your follower and this is what's happening to me. And then I got to, the, got to these words in the scripture. God said to Job, after Job had been ranting and raving about his, uh, his circumstances, the circumstances that he was in, and he had good reason to rant and rave, but God said this, Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the world? Where were you, Job, when I laid uh, the cornerstone of the earth and the morning stars sang and the sons of God danced for joy? Where were you, Job, when I created the sea and dry land? And you know, I read those few verses and it hit me. It was as if God was speaking directly to me. You know, when he said, you know, uh, he, he, when I read the verse, it was kind of like this. Where were you, John Spate, when I laid the cornerstone of the earth? Where were you, Mr. Hotshot, you know, when I laid the cornerstone of the foundation of the world? Where were you, Mr. Big Deal, you know, when I created the sea and dry land? And I realized right then and right there that I had miserably failed to live out that which I believe and that I have taught from this very place. And that's it. That no matter what the picture looks like right now, no matter what your circumstances are right this moment, no matter what I think of the situation, God is in control and God is good all the time. That's what I get from that. That's what God reminded me about. That he is good all the time. It's Easter hope that, 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 uh, that uh, uh, God's got the whole world in his hands. It's Easter hope. It's that God is in control. That's Easter hope. No matter what the situation looks like, God is in control. And say it loud, God is good all the time. And all the time, what? God is good. He is. You know, and unfortunately, 
my little finite brain is in, incapable of, of understanding the depths of God. My little brain is incapable of seeing what God sees, the big picture. Fortunately, Isaiah the prophet had some of that figured out when he said, but those who hope in the Lord, there's that word again, hope, right? Those who do what? Those who say it, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Yes. Wow. You can't tell me that won't preach. That verse right there will preach all day long. You know why? Because you don't have to like your circumstances, but as Christian believers, what's our job? To hope, that is to, what, it, what does that mean? To hope means to wait patiently or expectantly or with, with, uh, with great confidence and fact. So we wait with expectation as we hope in the Lord because we're going to renew our strength. And you know what, folks? One day, this, this mess out here is going to end. This virus is going to be over. It's all going to be done. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to soar. We're going to melt up with wings like eagles. We're going to walk and not grow weary. We're going to run again, and we're not going to faint. That is Easter hope. So let me ask you, where do you get this hope? How do you get it? Well, you get it by knowing the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior Jesus, the very one who is the author of this Easter hope. That's how you get it. And you know what you get? You know, the, the, when, when, when you know Jesus as Savior, here's what you get. You get the hope that my past can be forgiven. I want you to, if, if you've got something to write with or uh, something to write on, you should write this down because this is Easter hope, people, right here. You know, because when you know Jesus as your Savior, you know that your past, you can hope, you hope, that is, with confidence that my past can be forgiven. That's exactly right. And that's the good news. I mean, have you ever been halfway through a project and wish you could start over? Well, if you have, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because I think there are a lot of people who wish they could start over life, that they wish they could start life all, all the way over again. You know, I read about a corporate executive who said, you know, I spent my entire life at the expense of my family and friends and, and everything else around me climbing the ladder of success. And now that I'm at the end of my life, I realized that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall the entire time. Yeah. Sometimes the ladder we climb, we find out toward the end of our life, and hopefully we can find out before then, but was leaning against the wrong wall the entire time. You know, we want to do over. We want to start again. We wish that we could. We wish that we could start over. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done, said things we wish we'd never said. We all have regrets. But you know what? You know, here's the tragedy, is that so many people are stuck in their regrets. 
They're, res- they're stuck in their past and they're stuck with the guilt of all of, their, uh, of the things that they've done wrong. Guilt and regrets can sometimes have you hogtied. But listen to the good news out of the book of Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Check this out. Christ forgave all the things you've done wrong. Now, let me tell you, that is a powerful statement. Christ forgave all the things you've done wrong. He destroyed the record of debt we owed. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross. You know what that is? That's God's pardon program. You know, it's been a little while since I've given you this um, illustration, but I'm going to give it to you today. Here it is. How many of you have ever had an Etch-A-Sketch? You know that that's, yeah, I, I've had an Etch-A-Sketch. I had one when I was a kid, and you can see I still have one right now. Imagine that all the sins you've ever done wrong were right here on this Etch-A-Sketch. Imagine that. All the sins, every fault, every fear, every hang-up and hurt and habit you've ever committed, every, everything you ever said that you wish you hadn't said on this Etch-A-Sketch. Well, first of all, if it were mine, uh, one of these wouldn't hold it. I'd probably have to have a million of these. But here's the neat news of God. Here's the cool thing. You know, here's what Jesus did. When Jesus went to the cross and then on Easter Sunday did what? Rose from the dead. Here's where the Easter hope is, people. God takes the etch-a-sketch of your life, and look what he does. Right here. That is Easter hope. Did you see that? Want to see it again? Here it is. That is Easter hope. Right there. God says, start over. I give you another chance. God is the God of the do-over. That is Easter hope right there. You know, God, God, God took all your sins to the cross, nailed them all there so you wouldn't nail yourself to the cross, so you could stop doing that. God was, God was uh, uh, hung up for our hang-ups, and he took it all with him to the cross and set you free. That's the good news of of uh, Easter hope people is that Jesus sets us free. My past can be forgiven. Here's, here's the next piece of this is not only does it have to do with our past, it has to do with our present. Go ahead. My present problems can be managed. Yeah, that's Easter hope people. That the circumstances we got today can be managed. We can manage the way we understand them, the way we see them, the way we interact with them because of Easter hope. Easter hope gives us the man, uh, able, uh, enables us to manage our problems. Now, I got to admit, and I know you know this, but much of life, you know, is unmanageable. That is, we can't control it. It just is what it is. A lot of our life is just like that, and especially if you're a parent. All parents, you already know, a lot of your life is outside of your control. You know, there was a great Christian author uh, years ago named Charlie Shedd. Charlie Shedd. And he told this story on himself. He wrote this in one of his books. He said, quote, Before we had kids, 
I used to travel across the country teaching a lecture I called The Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. Doesn't that sound great? The Ten Commandments of Raising Perfect Kids. After he and his wife had their first child, he changed the lecture to Ten Hints for Parents. And after their second child, he renamed the lecture to A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. And finally, when the third kid came, he gave up speaking on the topic altogether. You know, maturity, folks, is, is knowing when you figure out uh, that you don't have it all figured out. Maturity is when you figure out that you don't have it all figured out. Maturity is when you figure out that you can't manage all that life throws at you. But God can. Why is that? Somebody say Easter hope? Yeah, Easter hope, there it is. And that's the good news, is even though we can't control everything and manage everything in our life, we know the one who holds the whole world in the palm of his hands. You know, you and I are struggling with a new normal in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Life feels out of control for you, I get it. I understand that, and in many ways, it really is. And none of us knows what the future is going to hold, but we do know and we can know the one who holds your life in the palm of his hands. In fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. He said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now listen to this. Here it is. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, what, is, what do you think that means? The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that he uses with you to help you cope inside your circumstances when your life feels out of control. You know, Here's one, I was just thinking about this today. Here's one way we can help manage our current circumstances. You know, I, I have missed today very much seeing uh, people come in in their Easter hats and the children and all of their Easter clothes, their new Easter clothes or carrying their Easter baskets. And I miss, I miss the rattling the rafters as we sing. You know, I miss... Uh, hearing you shout back at me, the Lord is risen indeed. I, re- I miss all these things. So here's one of the things that I thought about doing. And I think this is what we're going to do. I want to make a pact with you that in, in two to three weeks, after we first, uh, the stay-at-home order is lifted, and after we're able to come back to church, the, the second or third Sunday, and I'll refine that here real soon, but the second or third Sunday after we come back, let's celebrate Easter. No matter what we're doing, no matter what series we're in, no matter what it is, we're going to stop in the middle of it, and we're going to celebrate Easter in person. And I think that will be, if you like that idea, put it in the chat, will you? If you like the idea, put it in the chat. Let's, let's see what you think. But I think what a cool way to come out of our present circumstances and say, you know what? 
We're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to do it in person. We're going to fill this place to stand in the room only. We're going to have we're going to shake the rafters when we're together because we have an Easter hope that never ends and never fails. Here's the here's the last thing I want you to know is that not only can uh, my past be forgiven and I have Easter hope for that, not only can my present situation be managed but here's the third one and that is go ahead and put it on here it is my future can be secure that's right my future this this is easter hope people that our future my future your future can be secure can be secure what do i mean by that you know one of the universal problems that all of us have is that every one of us is going to die one day now no matter how you slice up that cake, no matter what you do, we're all going to go that way. That is, every one of us is going to face death one day. Now, knowing that, let me, let me just say kindly that knowing that we're all going to face death one day, it seems to me then that only a fool goes through life unprepared for the inevitable. I mean, if I know a storm is coming, if I know it, you know, I, if I know a huge windstorm is coming, I'm going to take the umbrella off my back deck so it doesn't blow away. You know, if I, if I know that if I know that I happen to live in an earthquake zone, I'm going to want to fortify my house and my foundation. You know, you always want to be prepared for whatever the inevitable is. You know, and it makes sense to me, and I think it's the only sensible thing to do, is when we're dealing with death, you probably ought to get to know the one, the only person who figured out how not to die, right? I mean, when there's only one, and that's Jesus. we got to get to know this guy. Now, none of us like to talk about death. We just don't. You know, if you don't believe me, after this pandemic is over, just get a bunch of people together, serve them a slice of cake, and say, hey, let's talk about death. Let's see how that goes at your party. Well, you're probably not going to go over very well. The reality is, though, today, because of this pandemic, it seems to me that we're talking about death more and more and more. So, how do you ensure that your future is secure? Here it is from the Gospel of John. Love the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. Here it is. It says this, And this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent. Jesus the Messiah. Let's hear it again. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus the Messiah. You know, folks, listen, your background could be Catholic or Protestant, Buddhist or Baptist, Mormon or Methodist, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about a religion here. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. How would you like every sin that you've ever committed to, to be wiped out? To be given the great shake of the etch-a-sketch by God? How would you like every wrong you've ever done to be forgotten? How would you like to live with a 
with a free conscience. And maybe power, godly power, Easter hope to manage your present situation and to know your future is secure. If you want that, you need to know Jesus. For he's the Savior who gives you hope. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you so much, God, for all the gifts that you pour out upon us. Right now, we're gathered in our homes, uh, more than 600 of us right this moment are gathered in homes all across the United States and around the world. And Lord, we, we want to know this Savior who offers us this Easter hope. And so, Lord, we, we pray right now, and I invite you to pray in the silence of your own heart. You don't even have to make a sound. You just have to pray in the silence of your own heart and say, and say God, I, I'm not sure I understand it all. But right now, I know that my life feels out of control. I am frustrated. I am fearful. I feel isolated. I may be lonely. And I'm scared. I know that the one thing that I need is Easter hope. Because my life just seems so far out of control. So Lord, I ask that you'd come into my heart and my life right now. I want to invite Jesus in to be the director of my life. The one who calls the shots. I know I'm going to mess up from time to time. But I want to do my best to follow you, to trust you, to invite you as my Savior. So, Lord, I know I don't deserve your love or the forgiveness that you've given, but, Lord, I want to live into it. So fill me up right now, Lord. Give me the courage and the strength to to make this decision and then to live it out so that we, together, may love God, may love others, and live out the gospel life. Thank you for this Easter hope. Lord, right now, you've already begun to change my life. I love you. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.